are listening to Pulpit Fidelis, a podcast that seeks to encourage, equip, and exhort ministers of the local church to always be faithful to the Word of God. Pulpit Fidelis, always faithful. Pulpit Fidelis. I'm your host, Jay Knight, and we're so very thankful that you have joined us today for this special holiday episode that we've titled Glad Tidings, the privilege of preaching the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Just want to take a moment, first of all, to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And in the spirit of the season, we want to make you aware of a giveaway opportunity that you can join in on right now. Just as soon as you hear this podcast, you can go right from where you are and join this giveaway. We hope that you will hope that you'll have a great time doing so. We're going to be giving away a free copy of Brian Chappell's book, Christ-Centered Preaching. It is one of the most invaluable resources the expositor could have in his arsenal, in his library. It is a wonderful uh, treatise, uh, a wonderful uh, book that defines and describes and also uh, gives um, practical information regarding the art of the expository sermon. We're going to be giving away a free copy of this book. All you have to do to enter is make sure that you are uh, a member of our uh, Pulpit Fidelis Podcast Friends group page on Facebook, and we'd like for you to post, and again, in the spirit of the season, I want you to post a brief statement, maybe even a word, to tell us what Jesus means to you. Again, to enter this giveaway to uh, perhaps win Brian Chappell's wonderful book on expository preaching, Christ-centered preaching, all you have to do, make sure that you are connected with us on the Pulpit Fidelis Podcast Friends page on Facebook. Post a brief statement telling us what you think of Jesus, what he means to you, and that is all that you have to do. Of those that post, we'll take the names and we will draw them uh, at random, and we will choose a winner. The winner will be announced via our group page as well as our Twitter and Instagram accounts. And the deadline to post and to get in on this giveaway is December the 29th. We're actually going to extend the Christmas season a little longer than the 25th. We're going to go all the way to the 29th. That's a Sunday. You have until then to make your post. Even if you've passed that date, you can still let us know what Jesus means to you. Uh, We'd love to see that. But nonetheless, we want you to know about this giveaway so that you'll have an opportunity to perhaps win this great book uh, for yourself or for the expositor in your life. So that's what we are hoping that we can do. Again, just to equip and give you more tools to build and to maintain an expositional, scriptural, uh, stable ministry of declaring and teaching the Word. We hope that you'll enjoy the episode today, and we're so thankful for you. What a joy it is to know that through all of the difficulties, the upsets, and uh, the curveballs that have been thrown at us over the last few years, that even still as we come to this holiday season, uh, we can find that there is a holy hush that seems to come over the heart of the believer as we join with our families, with our church families, to think and to thank God 
for the incarnation, the coming of Jesus Christ. What a gift. What a gift it is that we have to unwrap and to unravel before one another as we take a look into the Word of God each year. And uh, I trust with renewed senses of praise and glory that we see our beloved Lord and we get just a deeper, more passionate zeal to declare Him. Find that He is the hope of the nations. Find that He is the answer for the ills of mankind. That the world that so long had lay in sin's dark night has had a great, wonderful, bright beam shine across it in the form of the Lord Jesus. He who came full of grace and truth to behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. I can't help but think about one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Christmas hymns during this time. I do find that in the Christmas season, what an opportunity we have in our hymnody, in our uh, praise and our worship to reflect on the Lord Jesus. I'm sure there are many wonderful songs that have been written uh, in recent years. No doubt there have uh, been wonderful songs uh, written by Christian hymn writers and, uh, and others that have put in poetry form these glorious truths of the gospel. But there's something about looking back into the centuries and seeing the gospel so wonderfully displayed through Christmas hymns. Uh, I think of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's one of my favorites, not only because of the wonderful theology that runs so deep in the song, but the, 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 um, the melody of the song is so beautiful. It's, um, it's so arresting as we think about uh, just uh, really a unique hymn. And, I, of course, I love it. O Come, All Ye Faithful. Sovereign Grace Music has a slightly updated version of that, O Come, All Ye Unfaithful. And uh, both, both of them are staples around our house uh, when we think about the Christmas season. O Holy Night, O Little Town of Bethlehem, The First Noel, Away in a Manger, and the list goes on and on. But I want to read to you the words of Isaac Watts, uh, who wrote this wonderful hymn uh, in the really in the in the 18th century, and that still resounds to us. We still hear it. Even the world, the secular singers, uh, pick up on the power of these lyrics. They themselves may not understand or have the capacity to see that this is Christ the Lord, but even even the world seems to take note of the music at the very least. But here it is, joy to the world. Now, if we were to get the full effect of this, we would need an orchestra. We would need uh, powerful voices that I, I just don't have. Uh, we truly can't grasp the, the glories and uh, the wonder of this song. It, it needs multiple voices. It deserves um, It deserves so much more. But I, I'll read it to us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. 
far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. We're talking today about the minister's opportunity to preach and to teach on the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We read it from an angelic message in Luke chapter uh, number 2 where we find that the angels have come and appeared to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The privilege of preaching the Incarnation. I want to take just a moment today, very briefly, to edify and to encourage you by way of always having a fresh zeal and desire when it comes to preaching and teaching the Incarnation. Earthly holidays uh, at times do come with their own monotony, don't they? There are certain days that come and go uh, without much emphasis without much thought. But I think about Christmas. Of course, Christmas and Easter have similar themes as far as Christians are concerned, one being the coming of Christ to us and the gift that he brings of himself, and the other being uh, the uh, the fruition of that gift, the, the completion of the work he came to begin in this world. But nonetheless, it's easy for us to grow complacent with that which we are so comfortable with, that which we uh, don't put a lot of thought into. It's also very easy for us to become distracted. All of us know uh, the pull or the temptation that we face daily during the holiday season to look elsewhere when it comes to the emphases that we place upon the holiday, uh, to look towards the monetary value of gifts and um, of, of gas spent to travel uh, hither and yon to think and look upon commercial uh, aspects of the holiday. We all know the same tropes that seem to run in the same course throughout the years, but I want to encourage all of us, whether you be a minister or a lay person, whether you be a family member of a preacher or teacher, I want to encourage all of us as believers not to let uh, the the snow settle, as it were, on this holiday, not to let the world or our own um, our own complacency or a monotony take the joy away from us of the privilege that we have in preaching as ministers and declaring uh, the Christmas story and the Christmas theme, but also as believers to share in the glory and in the joy that this season brings with it. I want to make a few statements that I hope will. Uh, stir your heart 
as you consider entering into this time. Many of us have been preaching. I've gone two Sundays preaching on Christmas themes. I have one more to go, and uh, we'll wrap up at least the short series that I have uh, been preaching on for the Christmas season, just as a an opportunity to direct our hearts together towards the Lord Jesus and His birth, His coming to this earth. Many of you have also been doing the same. Uh, you've been listening to the songs. You've been uh, taking the time to read the story uh, through the Word of God. So you, much like myself, I'm sure, ha- have been caught up in the midst of the Christmas season already. And if you haven't, well, I want to encourage you to do so and uh, and with uh, all haste uh, to, um, to find yourself at the feet of Jesus afresh and anew. I want to say a number of things about this Christmas story. Now, that, that phrase itself is so encompassing of so much more than just the manger, uh, the birth, the early days, the early years. Of course, that is amazing within itself. More time could be given to that than we have uh, for ages of just that uh, story, just that experience in real time. But, friend, we find that there are some wonderful truths uh, that are displayed to us that go so much deeper and farther than the birth itself and the experience of Mary and Joseph, wise men and shepherds, Herod and the like. I want to say, first of all, that the Christmas story, as we preach it, as we share it, as we enjoy it, it is a glorious story. The word glorious I use there to denote two things. First of all, the glory, the awe, the weight of the story itself, the theme itself. I mean, as we come to approach the Christmas season and to repeat and to teach and to underscore the uh, the Christmas story as we find it in the Word of God, we are approaching holy ground. We are coming to a very deep and um, and wonderful place. We are approaching very uh, very compelling truths that ought to weigh on us, not heavily as in as in burdens that, that, that carry us down, but to weigh on us as we are approaching something that is of great holiness and great reflection of who God is himself, somewhat like Isaiah entering the throne room. When we think about the activity, both in, in history past, in prehistory, and in human history, and then as it applies to us now some thousands of years Later, it is truly glorious. The angels that the shepherds saw gathered together as they as they proclaim the glory of the birth of Jesus, the gift that is given, it is only a taste of what truly is in action even at this point. We're seeing the very sovereignty of God on display, not just in real time, in a moment, uh, but is as we see it throughout eternity and a, a divine plan that now we see has come to a place of of, uh, revelation in human history. We see God at work in a glorious fashion, and we ought to feel the weight of that. We ought to remember the joy of that and and the praise and worship that ought to reflect out of us as we think about our loving God who has in his sovereign majesty, in his authority, in his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, in his providence, his glory so revealed to us 
in that we find God does not give up on his purposes. His purpose very simply being uh, that within that Trinitarian uh, that Trinitarian covenant, one with another, in such love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in such love as that love is existing well before humans ever enter into the conversation, before ever uh, the mud seals of this world are laid, the stars flung in their sockets, we find that God uh, in three, three in one, the Trinity, their love abounding, overflowing into creation, creating man, creating that which God fellowships with and intimates himself with. And that love overflowing yet again that in the fall of man, hope is not lost, but that God reveals even in the beginnings of the sacrificial work, reveals his son who is to come. And then from that point onwards, teaching men to slay the lamb, to slay the animal, the blood to be shed, the uh, the sacrifices to be given, not for nothing, not for show, but for the remembrance of what is to come. And then the day, uh, then the time, centuries have passed, prophets and patriarchs and princes have fallen, and now the day shines. John the Baptist, in his own miraculous coming into this world, his own wonderful way, comes as a prophet out of the wilderness, something like no one had ever seen. And he gives to us the uh, uh, gives to us the message, the joyful, glorious message. There is one coming uh, who is going to be uh, the hope of the nations. There is Messiah who is coming, and he most certainly is. And we should feel and 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 we should reflect on the glory of the season that all of these years and all of these fears and all of these tears have now come and the fruition, the birth, literally the birth pangs uh, that have been felt through history now have been expressed through the contractions of a young virgin who now gives us, as God has given us, his own son. Infinite becomes infinite, Spurgeon said. What a gift, and it should draw out our senses, all our senses to give God glory in return. Which brings us to a second point. So we think about teaching and preaching and expressing the Christmas story. It is not only a glorious thing, a glorious thing, but it is a redemptive thing. You and I both uh, uh, that minister, those of us that love uh, the Word, that love God, that love sinners, we all want to take the opportunity at any point that we have to share the gospel. We're looking for, for any way that we can to express the truth of Christ in every situation. If you pastor, you know what it is. Uh, in, in a Sunday morning sermon, you want, to, you want to make a beeline for the cross, as it's been said. You want to make the impact. You want to lay the urgency before the sinner. Repent uh, and, and in faith trust Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We want the gospel emphasis to be the challenge as we preach our sermons. At funerals, at, at weddings, we want the gospel to be emphasized. What better opportunity do we have than at Christmas to emphasize and to declare the great gift of Christ our Lord who has laid upon him the shadow of the cross even, yea, before his birth, but as we see this child born, laid in a manger, swaddled in rags, as it were, and the power of God revealed through the virgin birth, we see the gospel. And what greater opportunity 
can we have than to use this privilege to declare the gospel of redemption? Herman Bavick, the great theologian, had this to say, The gospel is sheer good tidings, not demand, but promise, not duty, but gift. The birth of Christ begins for us as we look at it in human history and human terms and understanding, begins for us our own understanding of the fact that we in ourselves are hopeless, that the curse has afflicted all of creation, even most revealed in the depravity of man, that there is no hope within humanity. The arm of the flesh has failed us. Kingdoms and armies have failed us and we find that within our own ingenuities that we are faulty and that we will always fall short of the glory of God. We're racked with sin, infected with poison. But here comes the cure born in Bethlehem. Here comes the bread of life born in the house of bread. Uh, Here comes the living water uh, born as he was uh, in a miraculous fashion to reveal to us that even out of nothing God creates everything. Out of a dead, sinful heart, God creates life through regeneration. Genesis 3.15 It is a verse that we ought not overlook when we consider the Christmas story for Christ's incarnation, his birth, is the fulfillment of this prophecy. There is the curse is being laid upon Adam and Eve for their sin. The curse laid upon the serpent for his deception. Amongst that uh, cursing that God places, he gives to us the proto-evangelium. That is a, a, a first gospel glimpse that we find. As, uh, as the Lord says to the serpent, that the seed of the woman is going to come, that his head will be broken under his heel, that Satan would find as he's laying in the dust of the earth that he will be crushed. That is what Christ came to do. He came that men no more may die. Not just a physical death, though it is a sign of the curse, but eternal death, eternal darkness. He has come that men may, may, may no more die in their sin, that those who believe in Jesus Christ and the work that he has come to do, this gift of the seed of the woman, the miraculous Lord Jesus and his birth and his life and his death, he is the hope of the nations, that it is his blood that is shed to cleanse our sin. It is his life that is given to pay our price. It is the Lord Jesus. It is a redemptive story. Don't miss the gospel emphases written throughout the Bible as we see the gift of Jesus. Number three, can I say it is a very practical story. What we find in the birth of Jesus in its wonder, in its joyfulness, in its its overflowing abundance of life and of, of happiness, a new child is born, this child is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The angelic host proclaims, Friend, can I also mention to you that Jesus is born into a real world. Just in the very back story, in the in the background of the birth of Jesus, we find sin so openly and unapologetically revealed. We see sin at its worst as Herod in his anger towards this uh, this perceived attack on his throne and his anger against the wise men who did not share the location of the new born child just i mean just there in the early stages of life that Jesus is born right into the middle of darkness 
A light has shined. Isaiah says so. A light has shined in the darkness. But Herod in his rage, his amoral intentions are amplified in his murderous attacks upon those newborn, firstborn male children. The women cry in the streets, the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. The voice of weeping heard in Ramah. Rachel could not be comforted. This prophecy now fulfilled in these mothers' broken hearts. It is not a joyful season for everyone. Some, For many, it is a difficult thing to endure the Christmas season, and I certainly don't want to overlook that. For many, it is a hard, sorrowful, grievous thing to endure these holidays without loved ones who have passed away, the widow or the widower, children that have been taken by providence. But the pain is so severe, unimaginable. As we think about those who with their own sickness, their own broken bodies, friend, it is not always a Merry Christmas. And we as ministers need to be cognizant that the birth of Christ is not only kept in the laurels and the glitter and the gold and the red and the and the festivities, though they, there must be, must be festivities, great cheer. But that is not the only place that Christ can reach. And if all that we amplify and emphasize during a time like this is happiness as some sort of law to itself, we have become happy legalists. We have spoken to those in our churches and amongst our 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 um our people, our our pupils that hear us teach and our flock as we pastor them. If that's the emphasis and the only emphasis they hear, they're going to be led to believe that without a smile and a smirk and a and a happy countenance, they're not right with God, and that's simply not so. Our Lord is acquainted with grief, is he not? Even in the Christmas story, even in the beginning stages of our blessed Lord's life, we see sin on such gruesome display, but yet we cannot leave that scene as it is, for this is the very darkness he came to shatter, and shatter it he does. So I give you my final thought. It's a glorious theme we preach. It's a redemptive theme. It is a practical, practical theme. Something that we can take, put right into the world that we live in. And it is also a very joyous theme. The only way for us to truly enjoy this season is to know that we ourselves have experienced the joy of Jesus Christ. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Where the world can laugh and sneer at worldly entertainments. Things that you and I can enjoy from a distance and in, in, their, in their proper place. Nothing, nothing sinful. But we can enjoy what this world has concocted for the Christmas, and we can redeem much of it. That's really a, a, a an episode for another day and maybe even another podcast, but 
we can redeem much of what this world has made to celebrate for the Christmas holiday season. But friend, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. I, I can't help but think about uh, a line in one of C.S. Lewis's books in that uh, wonderful series, The Chronicles of Narnia. What a what a great allegory for Christian existence. He makes a, he makes a statement. I forget just which book, but you know the the backstory of, of that wonderful fantasy. How that uh, C.S. Lewis paints this picture of Narnia, this wonderful place where Aslan reigns, the the Lion King. How that the White Witches come and and plunged Narnia into a perpetual winter. But one line sticks out that says that it is, and this is paraphrased, but that it was winter all the time and never Christmas. And that's how some of us, if we're not careful, will approach the joyousness of the season in our, in our pseudo-reverence, in our traditionalism, in our legalism that we have adapted for ourselves, if we're not careful, we'll let the joyfulness of the season pass us by. I believe that Christians ought to be the most joyful, to outjoy the world. What is What does the world have to find joy in but what that which is shallow and a fabrication? What we have is genuine because our Lord is born. Joy to the world. Christ has come. So dear minister, pastor, preacher, evangelist, missionary, layperson, Sunday school teacher, whatever position you find yourself in, as you are given opportunity to give a message, share a truth concerning the Christmas season, might it be that Christ is the centerpiece, that the light of Jesus shines on a people who are living with darkness encroaching all about them. They need light. Not artificial light. They need the flaming, holy, divine effulgence that peers deep into the midst of their existence, their monotony, and that inflames their hearts. I know that's not a Christmas verse or text, but to spend some time with Jesus as He is, as He is revealed to us in Scripture, might it be that this Sunday, as we leave the worship, we say, did our hearts not burn within us while we reflected on our Lord? May that be true for you. From our family, from our church, we wish you and yours the happiest of Christmases, the merriest of seasons. We pray that you have a great holiday with your family. We trust that we will continue to be a help to you. You will continue to find us a faithful aid and servant in the new year. We're excited about all that God's going to do. Pray for us as God continues to open doors. And we will pray for you as you serve and stand faithfully declaring the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you.